We're picking up where we left off last week with Sherry Keefe talking about marriage. And young people, not yet married, have some paper ready to take some notes. There are some truly great nuggets to remember on Love God First. Is there any particular success story you can recall? You mentioned that you would go to Papua New Guinea over and over and over. So you Mm -hmm. would see over time, but is there one that you just think, wow, this really worked. The things that we taught were actually used. And then did you see good results? Oh yeah. We saw, we saw a lot of good results of, of marriages. There was, you know, like there was one, it was a young couple, um, young pastor couple and they were, um, sent out to one of the villages and and we met them they're super sweet they were at our seminar and we got to know them but we had no idea they were going through some really heavy struggles in their marriage because they didn't share that and we came back six months later and they were um, sharing then with us about what how God had transformed their marriage after having heard the the truth of what his God his word says and just being there, you know, through the seminar. So we stayed in touch with them. We would pretty much see them every time we were there and got to watch how they grew and how, you know, having children and how they raised their children. And it's just exciting. Um, I think one of my favorite ones here, we were doing a class on love and respect. The Dr. Emerson Egrich wrote a yes. book, Love and Respect. And we really liked that material. So we were teaching a class on that. And, you know, Emerson Egridge bases it all on Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. And in 33, it says for husbands to love their wives and wives to respect their husbands. And God said that specifically because women are nurturers by nature and they know how to love. But we're not so good at showing respect. We can do things that are very disrespectful and often don't even recognize it. And the vice versa, men, they know all about respect. They know how to show. They grow up, you know, knowing how to respect each other. And But they have a harder time with the love part in general. And obviously, these are generalities. It's not true of every single person right. on the planet, but in, in general. So we had just had that lesson, and this young man uh, came up to us after class and said, um, he just asked us to pray for him. He said, you know, I'm here at the class, but my wife has already told me that at the end of the month, she's leaving me, that she's just done. She doesn't love me. She doesn't want to be with me anymore. And and they'd only been married a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we prayed with him and he kept coming back every week. And well, what ended up happening at the end of the month, when he came to class, we asked, you know, how are you doing? Because his wife was supposed to have left. And he said, oh my gosh, I'm doing great. He goes, yeah, my wife didn't leave. He said, in fact, we're planning our second honeymoon. And so, you know, so you go rewind, like, what happened? And he said, well, after hearing that, he said, I decided I was going to show love to my wife. So I brought her breakfast in bed, and she was like, what are you doing? Why did you do that? And then he just said, I just want you to know that I love you. And then he went and got her... um, I, th- I think it was a dress, and um, it was one I think that she had been looking at. So he was trying to get something he thought she liked. Well, she wasn't very appreciative 
because she knew he'd spent a lot of money. And she's like, why did you get that? We can't afford it. Like she didn't receive anything well. He brought her flowers, but every day he would do something to show her that he loved her and a lot of little things as well as the couple bigger things. And he said that he watched her begin to soften. And by the end of the month, she was feeling loved. She began to show him respect. So he was really, really thrilled. And then they got back together. You know, the principles really work if we follow them. Wow. A lot of couples don't want to follow them. When Paul and I were heading up the marriage mentor program at the church, you would interview couples that were in dire straits in their marriage and they wanted mentors. And then you would find out that for some of them, they'd already decided they they wanted a divorce and they were just looking for someone to validate it. And when you'd listen to them and go to the root issues and you'd say, God can fix this. There's This is not hopeless. They didn't like that because they'd already made up their mind. They just wanted to get out thinking it would be better. But the interesting thing is way back when we were married only a couple years, we had some teaching from a psychologist who talked about our marriages being like stair steps. And when you get married, you start at the first step and you're in the honeymoon and everything is wonderful. And then there's some little things, you know, they don't do things the same way you do. They leave clothes lying around and you always have them picked up. And so you get a little disgruntled and then something bigger happens. And then you're just, you're just like, I don't like this. This isn't working. And you're now at the end of that step and you have a choice. You can get off or you can move up to the next step. If you get off, you basically like shoots and ladders, you're going back to the beginning. You may be in a different relationship then, but you're taking yourself with you, and so you're going to go through the same issues. But if you move up to the second step, then you're in a honeymoon stage, and oh, it's all good again. And then there's the little bumps in the road, and then there's the bigger issue, and then you have to make a choice again. And you either move up to the next step as you're getting closer to each other, closer to God, or you make you get out where you go back to the beginning. And in our society, in the divorce rate, a lot of people go back to the beginning. And there were times, you know, when your kids all leave and you find out it's just the two of us, it's great, but it's also, um, there are no distractions anymore. You have to deal with your issues. So I think that's when a lot of people decide they're going to bail out. And I remember when we'd been married 25 years and I'm thinking, we had some friends and they did that. They made that choice to split. And I looked at Paul and I'm like, I can't imagine. We've worked so hard to get here. I cannot imagine bailing out now and starting over. And your marriage just gets better and better as you get closer and closer to God. So why would you want to bail out and miss the blessing of all of your hard work? If you keep bailing out, you're just always going to be working hard. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> You know, but people don't necessarily look ahead that way. Yeah, and you're taking those same problems with you to the next relationship because yeah. you didn't deal with them the first time. That's right. So they're coming up again, baby. <laughs> you just postpone the in inevitable. Or you can just stay at this really low-level, really dissatisfying relationship that goes nowhere and is really surfacy. That isn't great either. Right. It's better It's better to just stay in and fix it, yep. isn't it? Oh, it is. Yeah. And we yeah. reached, you know, after Paul retired and 
we were doing mission trips and we were doing things here. And, you know, we had grandkids, which is your blessing for uh, not strangling your children when they're teenagers and driving you crazy. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but we just, we, it was so great. We really reached that place where we were functioning as a one flesh couple, like the Bible talks about. And we would have missed that if we had just left in the middle of all the hard things and hadn't worked through them. Yeah. I think pretty much anything that takes hard work is going to produce wonderful fruit compared to things that just come easy. It's not going to be as rewarding. Mm -hmm. And marriage definitely fits in that category. The hard work is worth it. You see the effort pan out in this beautiful relationship. Then what are some indicators for the single person, people who aren't married yet, but who want to be married eventually? What do you think are some indicators that another person would be a good spouse? You mentioned one of those red flags before mm -hmm. about anger. Mm -hmm. So are there any other red flags that come to mind? Like, okay, no, I don't want to consider a person like that. Well, if you're, um, if you're with someone who's really controlling, you know, they have to know every second where you are, they get upset if they think you're with somebody that could be a threat to the relationship or, you know, if you talk to a person of the opposite sex, you know, that kind of thing, that's a red flag. Uh, if you're planning to have children, you need to watch how they treat children because they Good. can say, oh, I love children, but if they then walk over and there's some kids playing and they just kind of push them out of the way or tell them to get lost or, you know, whatever, that's a good red flag that, okay, this person is not really that great with children. Uh, we would encourage couples. We did the uh, prepare and rich pre-marriage um, assessment for couples when we would do the pre-marriage counseling with them. And one of the things that we would have them do is make a, make a list, like what is your idea of the perfect spouse? And so make a list, like, you know, most of the time we want like qualities, like you want someone who's going to be kind, who's got integrity, who's not going to lie and cheat and steal, but who's going to be reliable, who has a work ethic. You know, you just, all of those qualities that you would like, and then you pray about it because you really want God to bring your future spouse to you. You don't want to go hunting because when we hunt, we don't make wise choices. We get caught in the emotion of it, and then we can end up in a relationship that is not the one that we wanted. And if you're unequally yoked, that wasn't God's punishment, you know, that I, you know, I'm trying to provide, to deprive you of being with somebody, but being unequally yoked. When, um, when our grandson was a baby, one of our grandkids, we have 11 of them, but one of them was here and he was, he stopped breathing in the middle of the night. Now, um, our daughter-in-law, you know, was panicked. And so Paul was like, we need to pray. So we, Paul and I could pray together along with our son and daughter-in-law. But if, if Paul wasn't a believer, if I wasn't a believer, you don't have that person. And if you're the only two there, like, who's going to be that support for you? And how are they going to handle it when you want to go to different church meetings? Are they, how are they going to handle tithing? You know, there's a lot of issues that you need to work out. So I would say number one on that list should be, if you're a Christian, is they have to have a strong relationship with the Lord because you don't want someone who's just going to come along tagging after you 
saying that they're a Christian, but there's no fruit and they don't want to draw closer to the Lord because you're in a sense, you're still going to be unequally yoked. Amen to that. I think you can even be unequally yoked as two Christians too, because one person may be kind of nominally like, yeah, I go to church, but whatever. And another person is sold out for Jesus and everything that they do and think is like, yes, I want the Lord with all my heart. And if you put those two together, they're going to have problems. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So is there a way to assess whether a person is the person for me to marry? You said not to hunt, Mm -hmm. but if you're, because I would think that I always tell my kids this, watch them in groups. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to assess. Watch how they treat people who are not less than them, but people who serve. Like for instance, how do they treat waiters and waitresses at a restaurant Mm -hmm. or someone who is doing service for them? How do they treat that person? That tells me a lot. But can you think of any other ways to assess whether a person is the right person for me to marry? Well, and I guess I would say on the flip side too, can they serve? You don't want someone who's so proud that they won't lower themselves to clean a sink or do something around the house. So, you know, I think that's valuable too. But I think if you make a list of the qualities looking for, then you can also look down that list and see, does this person meet this? Because my experience with the people we've worked with is that if you do that, God provides in abundance so you're going to find a spouse who has those qualities, but also has more. God isn't going to ha- wow. give you someone who only, you know, is kind, but has no integrity. Or, you know, if you are setting your sights on that person, I think you want to be intentional. Because once your emotions get involved, it's really hard. We were trying to move the pre-marriage into the couples that were just about to get married and pl- and match them all. But what we found was they already were in that, oh, we're in love. So they are, in a sense, almost not teachable because they don't, they don't want to hear anything that could possibly look like this marriage isn't going to work because we're convinced that this is perfect. And so you yeah. either, either catch them before that, like when they're dating, or you catch, you, then, or you're working kind of, backwards once you're married and you're dealing with your issues, which is where most of us yeah. end up. Right. I, what do you think about this? I, a friend of mine's parents were these really wise Christians and they told me this and I, I have kind of lived by it. I think it's good, but I want your opinion about it. They said, in order to know whether a person is right for you to marry, it has to be a relationship that glorifies God yeah. They, there is a witness of your close friends and family, those who you trust, that they agree, and that there's an inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Those three things have to be there. What do you think about that's that? That's great. And that's, I think, the concise way to put it. Because you are, when you get married, the family becomes part of your family. So if there's a lot of strife, uh, your family doesn't want you to marry that person, you're going to be facing that for a long time. If you continue to maybe date and let your family see the qualities you see in the person, their heart changes, then everybody's in agreement. It's a lot easier than if you force yourself ahead and then have to try to go and build relationship when everybody's hurt and upset. So that's great. Yeah. And the the power of the Holy Spirit obviously goes with us wherever we are and and gives us wisdom and guidance all the time. 
Yeah, the problem with that, though, I thought I find when I was talking to my girls about this, they said, "Yeah, but you get so emotional, it's kind of hard to hear the Holy Spirit because you're you're so just. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just think this guy is so great. That's the difficulty is that yep. emotion that you mentioned. Yep. So somehow keeping our hearts, maybe just at the beginning while we're assessing, keeping our hearts a little bit farther from the relationship so that we can not get into something we can't get out of easily or that we just do something stupid because our emotions were leading us, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. And I think that's why if if uh, young people have a, a set idea, you know, have that kind of list of what they want in a spouse before they get into relationships makes it a lot more powerful because now you kind of know what you're looking for and you're you're a little less likely to get trapped by someone who looks good on the outside, but there's not the good qualities on the inside. And that's, you know, God looks at the heart, people look on the outside. So we want to try to be more like God and look at the heart. That's why, you know, with like children, you watch how they treat children, or like you said, watch how they are in groups of people. Do they let everybody speak or or do they only show favoritism to the people that are like them? You know, or the popular ones, right. or the ones that can do something for yeah. them. Yeah. Right. So, all right, this is our last question. This has been so good. I'm learning things, but okay, our last question. So what are some things an unmarried person can be working on in themselves then to prepare for marriage? How do they get on the list of someone else? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I think you, first of all, you've got to work on your relationship with the Lord. You want to get closer and closer to the Lord. You want to allow him to um, work within you so that you are seeing the areas in your life that you need help in, that you need to let go of, so that you're not going into a relationship with a lot of undealt with baggage. So I would say first and foremost is that we, we work on a relationship with God. We spend time in the Bible, we, you know, reading our Bible, but studying it, not just reading reading through fast so we can say we read it, but really stopping what does it say, Uh, especially with marriage. I mean, obviously the foundation was set in Genesis, but um, Ephesians 5, like what does it say about marriage? That's our blueprint because we are going to be an example to others of how Jesus and his relationship with his bride, the church, should look like. And some people won't step foot in a church but they'll look at us and that should be their example. They should see a couple that are acting like Jesus and his bride, not a couple who are always in strife and yelling and arguing. So you've got to work on yourself. Um, and again, I think it, I see that it makes so much difference if we let God bring the spouse to us. If we yes. go and search, we're going to likely search either in the wrong place or we're going to pick the wrong person. But if we work on ourselves, and God brings the spouse, there'll be such an excitement and a joy because it's going to be the right person and it won't make, you know, we won't make a mistake. And, And God honors that because when we enter into that covenant, he takes it serious. I mean, it's the only covenant in the Bible that is a covenant between two people and also a covenant between people and man. I mean, people and God, man and God. So it's a God-man and a man-man covenant. Like that's the only 
way that it works. And obviously, man-man doesn't mean actually two men because God only ordained marriage to be one man and one woman. Thank you for saying that, yes. <laughs> and I do want to say a lot of stuff that we think is cultural in the United States, when we would go to these other countries and do marriage seminars, you know, we would take our strings of lights to show men and women differences, the compartmentalized versus the integrated. We would take our... Um, little sheets of colors to show different personalities. We would do a lot of the things. And when we first did that, we're like, yeah, they probably won't relate because, you know, they're a different culture, but it'll make it more interesting than just listening to two people talk. And we found out that they were up all night talking about, like, like that's exactly how it is. Oh, my gosh. Like, because God created us man and woman, not men and women in the United States, men and women in Papua New Guinea, men and women in Africa, men and women in Europe, we're all so much the same. Our issues are the same. The details of them will be different, but they struggle with the same issues we struggle with. And it may look a little different, but it's just amazing that we think we're all so different, but we're actually not as different as we think. <laughs> That's interesting. I love that insight because how many people have talked with other people in other countries about their marriage? You have a unique skill set and experience like no other. So I'm grateful. You know, one thing that I think made your marriage work so well with Paul, because I got to see the two of you together for years. And one thing I just always appreciated about him was he let you be completely yourself mm -hmm. and that he actually delighted in you when you were completely you just being your joyful laughing mm -hmm. generous self and he would just let you roll and do and say whatever you were gonna do and say and then just sit back and just yes and I loved seeing his delight in you mm -hmm. that's something that I just loved about your marriage and I think yeah. it was mutual because I would feel that same way when he was doing something. And I think that's too why when we did our seminars, we were always there together. And most people haven't heard uh, a man and a woman, a husband and wife together speaking. So he could give the husband perspective. I could give the wife perspective. And that way, everybody felt validated. A lot of yes. men don't like to go to seminars because they feel like they're just going to be blasted with all of their issues and all the things wrong with them. So this makes it, I guess, an opportunity for them to see, okay, there's somebody that supports me. But in a culture that's very patriarchal, like Papua New Guinea, the women seeing me stand up there was like, okay, we have a voice. There's somebody who is relating to us. So it works both yes. it both works both ways. Yeah. But yeah. That is so cool. So wow, what a great time. I just have learned a lot. This is the kind of podcast that I'm gonna go back and listen to again and take notes because I didn't have any notes here to write down. But I'd encourage our listeners to do that too. Hey, listen to this again, write some things down, implement. This is a woman who had an amazing marriage. You can trust her. She is an authority in this area. So Sherry, thank you so much for your time. I just love you and love that God has used you so effectively in so many places in the world and the effects are still being seen. Mm -hmm. People are still having fruitful marriages because of what you and your husband have done and what you still do, what you're currently doing in serving. It's not like you stopped serving. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know that it's all God because God works through us yes. to get his word. Amen. And the main thing is that he's glorified. 
in the process. That's right. So I appreciate you having me here. It's been a blessing to spend time with you. Thanks for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe and give a high rating to this podcast so that more people will listen. And if you have any questions I haven't answered yet from Genesis, remember you can always email me at lovegodfirstpodcast at gmail.com.